Hello, this is David Wilcoxon, and this is part one of three videos about the connection between Daniel 9, Daniel 12, and the Olivet Discourse. When people base their prophecy fulfillment narrative on the concept of an end times 70th week of Daniel 9, they tend to assign other prophecies, such as Daniel 12 and Messiah's Olivet Discourse, to the end times. And they align most of the prophecies in Revelation with the same seven-year period. In the previous videos, I've shown how the 70th week of Daniel 9 was fulfilled on time after the 69th week from 27 to 34 AD. It points to the highlight of human history when the Anointed One, Messiah the Prince, died for our sins and rose again. Many Jews believed in him, but the Jewish leaders rejected him and delivered him up to be killed. Their punishment was that Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed, effectively ending their nation. It helps to see the big picture first, so I'll provide a summary in this video and a more detailed explanation in the next two videos. The 70 weeks of Daniel 9 prophecy starts with the declaration that the Jews will be released from Babylon and empowered to rebuild Jerusalem, which no doubt delighted Daniel. Then, two verses later, it declares that Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed. Why? It was punishment for the Jewish leaders delivering Messiah to be cut off killed by a violent death of crucifixion. The prophecy points to a war in which desolations are determined upon the Jewish nation because of their rebellion against the Heavenly Father. Daniel was troubled and prayed for more information. This was given in the message of Daniel 12, which foretells a three and a half year time of trouble for the unbelieving Jews marked by the abomination of desolation. The three and a half years was fulfilled during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD, a time of horror for the Jewish nation. Daniel 12.1 says that the believing Jews, those whose name are written in the Book of Life, will be delivered from the time of trouble. Messiah's parables point to the judgment of the Jewish nation who rejected him. He proclaimed that an army would surround the city, kill the unbelieving Jews, and burn their city. In Matthew 23, Messiah rebuked the Jewish leaders because they killed the prophets sent to them, pointing to them delivering him up to be killed and for persecuting his disciples. He declared that judgment would come upon them in that generation. Then, in Matthew 24, Messiah proclaimed that the temple would be destroyed in that generation. And this aligns with the declaration in Daniel 9.26 that the second temple would be destroyed. In his Olivet Discourse, Messiah foretold a time of great tribulation in Judea in that generation, aligning with the time of trouble in Daniel 12.1. In the nine previous times that the word generation is used in Matthew, it always points to the Jews who lived during Messiah's ministry. Luke 21 describes a time of vengeance against the wicked Jews, great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. It says that they will be killed by the sword when the Gentiles trod down Jerusalem, which took place in 70 AD, when the Gentile Romans flooded into the city and killed hundreds of thousands of Jews by the sword. The Olivet Discourse narrative points to the sun, moon, and stars being darkened, which symbolically points to the Jewish leadership system. The high priest is the sun, the Sanhedrin was the moon, the priests were the stars, being removed from power. During the war, they were either killed or captured and sold as slaves. Messiah coming in power and glory symbolically points to him causing the mighty Roman army to desolate his enemies who would not serve him. The Jewish leaders delivered him up to be killed to try to save their nation, so Messiah was exacting his vengeance against them. 
The believing Jews fled to the mountains of Pella when they saw the abomination of desolation, defined in Luke 21, 20-21, which was fulfilled when Cestius and his army surrounded Jerusalem in November 66 AD. They were protected there during the calamity of the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD, fulfilling Daniel 12:1. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Daniel 9, Daniel 12, and Messiah's Olivet Discourse are directly connected. They proclaim the judgment of the unbelieving Jews and the deliverance of the Jews who believed in Messiah. They are not about the end times or the Antichrist. I fully explain Daniel 12 and Matthew 24 in the Olivet Discourse Decoded video series. In the 70th week of Daniel 9 timeline videos in this series, I show why the starting command took place in 457 BC, which projects the 70th week as taking place from 27 to 34 AD. We see that Messiah was crucified for our sins in 31 AD, in the middle of the seven years of the 70th week which ended the need for temple animal sacrifices, fulfilling this part of Daniel 9.27. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. A scriptural generation is 40 years. In 31 AD, Messiah made his declaration about judgment coming upon the unbelieving Jewish nation. So within a generation spans until 71 AD. Jewish historian Josephus documented the time of trouble for the Jewish nation during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD when 1.1 million Jews lay dead in and around the small city of Jerusalem. In the People and the Prince videos, I show the chiastic structure of Daniel 9, 25-27. One part is about Messiah the Prince. Here's the part about the people of the Prince, the Jews, and their city. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And for the overspreading of abominations, he, Messiah, shall make it desolate, even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. It's pointing to a war that causes the city and temple to be destroyed, and the Jewish nation to be desolated. We know that within one generation of Messiah declaring judgment on the unbelieving Jewish leaders and that the temple would be destroyed, it was carried out within 40 years during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD. The connection between Daniel 9, Daniel 12, and the Olivet Discourse is straightforward. It's the futuristic deceptions of the enemy that make it hard to see the truth of the fulfillment. Recall the curse that is upon the rebellious Jews per their Mosaic Covenant. Daniel 9, 11-13 says, Yea, all Israel has transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done, as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. John the Baptist understood the coming judgment on the rebellious Jews. Matthew 3, 7-10 says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who have warned ye to flee the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance.
And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Messiah proclaimed that judgment will come upon the rebellious Jews in that generation. Matthew 23, 29-36 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves, that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets, and wise men, and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues, and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel until the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Then Messiah proclaimed that their temple would be desolated, aligning with Daniel 9.26, which points to the city and temple being destroyed. Matthew 24, 1-2 says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say to you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Messiah proclaimed that great tribulation was coming upon the Jewish nation in that generation, saying, For there shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. The Jewish high priests prophesied Messiah dying for the Jews. He proclaimed it not because he understood that it represented Messiah dying for their sins, but because he sought to preserve their positions of power in the Jewish nation. John 11:46-53 says, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees at council, and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Messiah proclaimed that the Jewish high priest would see him come in judgment of the Jewish nation, which would not submit to his authority. Matthew 26, 62-64 says, And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answereth thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. The Jewish leaders delivered Messiah up to be cut off, killed by the violent death of crucifixion, proclaiming allegiance to Caesar, not Messiah. John 19, 13-15 says, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. 
And it was the preparation for the Passover, and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. The Jewish leaders foretold their fate as the punishment for rejecting the father's son was poured out on them during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD, and their blood was poured out all over the city, even in the temple. On his way to be crucified, Messiah foretold judgment on the Jewish nation. But Jesus turning unto them, saith, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming, in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. In those verses, we see how the Jews caused Jerusalem and the temple to be destroyed because it was their punishment for continuing their rebellion against the Heavenly Father and for rejecting His Son and delivering Him up to be killed. The Jewish leaders desired a Messiah who would free them from the oppression of the Romans. Messiah flipped the tables on them and used the mighty Roman army to desolate their city, their temple, and their nation. 1.1 million Jews died in and around the small city of Jerusalem from famine, pestilence, infighting, suicide, evisceration, crucifixion, and by the Roman sword. The Romans encircled the city so the Jews couldn't bury any bodies, which was done outside the city. So the bodies were stacked up in the city or thrown over the city walls into the valleys that surround the city. The Romans crucified Jews who tried to escape, sometimes as many as 500 per day which filled the trees and crosses with multiple bodies, and the bodies were not taken down. Birds and animals fed on their flesh. The sight and stench of the scene were overwhelming, with blood everywhere, even in the temple's holy places. And I provide a full, vivid description by Josephus in the Olivet Discourse Decoded video series. So why am I telling you this? Because it's amazing to me that most pastors today don't teach about this harsh judgment of the Jewish nation, and they don't assign any particular prophecy to it. What occurred from 31 to 70 AD is important for believers to understand. And I realize when I teach about these things being fulfilled in the first century, that people make the association that I'm a preterist who thinks that all prophecy was fulfilled in the first century. But I do not believe that. I am a historicist who believes some prophecies were fulfilled in the first century. But I teach in the Revelation Timeline Dakota video series that the prophecies in the apocalyptic vision have been in the process of being fulfilled since the first century. There are still prophecies yet to be fulfilled before Messiah returns. In the next video, I'll start showing how Daniel 9, Daniel 12, and the Olivet Discourse were fulfilled on the chronological timeline. If this video helps you, please click on the thumbs up, make a comment, and share it with others. You can print out PDF summaries, request a free PDF copy of the 70th week of Daniel 9 decoded book, or get a printed copy at www. 70thweekofdaniel.com. That's all for today. I love y'all. Shalom.